On today's 51%, we learn how some high school Girl Scouts have been helping their communities during the COVID-19 pandemic. They have no access to menstrual products, so therefore they're using plastic bags, mud. And we'll discuss how the Girl Scouts are trying to diversify. How we can make sure that we are able to reach out to all communities. I'm Jackie Orchard, and this is 51%. And now, let me invite Girl Scouts of Northeastern New York CEO, Brenda Piscopo, Board Chair Dr. Kristen Navarrete, and members of our Silver and Gold Committee to join me in introducing our 2021 Gold War Girl Scouts. When you think of the Girl Scouts, what comes to mind? For me, it's cookies, Samoas specifically, and also this comedy sketch by Jimmy Kimmel. Here in California, they go for $5 a box, which is up a dollar from last year. They're saying it shouldn't make a difference sales-wise. So the Girl Scouts did research. They found that most customers don't know how much they paid last year. All they remember is that they were high and needed cookies. <laughs> you know, I've seen it. If I'm being honest, when I think of the Girl Scouts, I think of cute little hats and sashes with badges and those little plastic boondoggle crafts that I could never get to look good enough to give as a keychain gift on Christmas. Whatever I thought I'd find in this banquet hall, it certainly wasn't these composed, serious-looking high school girls who are changing the world. To address a root cause of one of the barriers to education that many women face around the world, Madison took action to support global menstrual equity. Partnering with the At the Girl Scouts Gold Award Ceremony at Glenn Sanders Mansion outside Schenectady, about 30 young women in sundresses and sashes, joined by their parents, sit in a socially distanced banquet hall with the walls backlit Girl Scout Green. 17-year-old Madison Mackey joins me after all the awardees are announced. Mackey attends the Academy of the Holy Names in Albany, New York. She joined the Daisies in kindergarten and is now a cadet senior Girl Scout. I think that Girl Scouts has really taught me um, leadership and just being able to be empowering to other women that are less fortunate in the community. Mackey just received the Gold Award the highest award in the Girl Scouts for her work during the COVID-19 pandemic over the last year. For my project, I created an annual day at Academy of the Holy Names in Albany, New York, um, which allows girls to create reusable and washable menstrual kits in partnership with the Mooncatcher Project, who is a local nonprofit organization in Schenectady, New York, who makes reusable and washable menstrual kits for girls in third world countries, Zimbabwe, Haiti, Honduras, Kenya, all across Africa, um, some countries in the Caribbean, and a lot of underserved countries and communities. Mackie says she got the idea at a church event a few years ago when they hosted the Mooncatcher Project, and locals participated in making the feminine hygiene kits. And I absolutely fell in love with the project once I was able to fully comprehend what it meant to be able to menstruate and really be able to relate to other girls that are not being able to go to school and missing up to 50 days of school a year because they are menstruating. And in these countries, the girls are considered dirty or soiled and they have no access to menstrual products, so therefore they're using plastic bags, mud, leaves, 
or they're not going to school because they're menstruating. And in their society, men are looking at them as objects. And because in these countries, the poverty is so bad, the girls are often getting married off because their families aren't able to afford to care for them anymore because often these families are making $1 to $3 a week, so they're not able to care for their children and they're not being able to supply them with menstrual supplies. So they're getting married off and they're often getting pregnant at 13 years old. Mackey says the project helped her to navigate the pandemic while the Girl Scouts were scaled back and largely virtual. We were kind of back and forth, um, especially with the COVID cases in New York. If the region was high, then sometimes we had to be remote. But we also we were also in person as well. She says the project gave her purpose. Even though we were very limited with being able to meet in person for my troop, I think that being able to work on my Gold Service Award and really just kind of navigate through a pandemic. I was just really happy that I was able to kind of reinvent my project and what I was doing and being able to do tons of more virtual opportunities and virtual educational sessions to make people more aware of such an important global issue that impacts women and especially as girls, like we can all relate to this issue. So I think that it was really important that I was still in Girl Scouts and I was still working on this award and just being able to have resilience to be able to navigate through a pandemic. Looking around the room at the Gold Awards, Mackie is the only Girl Scout of color. She also serves on the board of Girl Scouts of Northeastern New York as the girl member at large. She says she would like to see the Girl Scouts diversify and reach out to underserved communities. Being an African-American, I'm very fortunate to be able to live in a suburban town where there is a Girl Scout troop. But often in the city of Albany, there aren't many Girl Scout troops and Girls that live in like urban areas or in the city don't really have access to a Girl Scout troop because of just kind of geographical areas and also like other African-American troop leaders that would want to start a troop. But I think that it's extremely important, and I think that that's definitely one area where Girl Scouts can improve. It's just the outreach to the inner city and being able to improve diversity within troops and within Girl Scouts itself. Mackey says Girl Scouts is more affordable than people might assume. She says the membership is $25 a year. She says there are scholarships and fundraisers for girls who can't afford it. And she says it's worth the time you put in. You have great exposure with the badges that you're able to do, the community service work, giving back, just being able to be so involved, I think is so important. And especially underserved kids that don't usually have access, I think that it's so important to be able to learn these skills and just be a part of a community and a sisterhood. Mackie is in troop number 1003. She's a junior in high school and says she plans to go to business school after she graduates. Right now I'm just in the college process of doing college visits and figuring out where's the right fit for me. Mackie says people assume Girl Scouts is just for young girls. But as you grow older, I think that you learn more about other community about local and global issues and ways that you can really reach back into the community and I think that as you grow grow older in Girl Scouts you're really able to do a lot more and you have more opportunity and access to different opportunities that you can do and just tons of experiences like sailing going to Nassau going to Washington DC there's tons of trips and opportunities that you're able to do with being Girl Scouts. 
In 2018, the Boy Scouts started accepting girls as Cub Scouts, and in 2019, older girls were accepted into Eagle Scout programs. Mackie says she never even considered switching over. I actually never really thought of Boy Scouts at all. I thought the Girl Scouts was awesome. Like, we were our own organization. We were doing awesome things. Everyone knew us for cookies, and... I never really compared the two. I honestly never even really looked into Boy Scouts because I w- I love Girl Scouts so much and I've been so involved that Boy Scouts never really crossed my mind at all. Mackie says the pandemic has been challenging for young people, but she wants young women to keep their goals in sight. She says she lost her father during COVID-19, and helping others is what pulled her through her grief. My father passed away February 1st after a um, long battle of heart disease and heart failure. And after he passed away, I was feeling so down, and I actually started a Facebook fundraiser for the Mooncatcher Project. And for the month of March, in support of Women's Month, I raised over $3,000 for the Mooncatcher Project, which was amazing because in the midst of a pandemic, it was very hard to ship the materials to all of the different regions and countries within Africa because of the shipping delays with COVID. So the fundraiser really helped with progressing the shipping and also being able to get the materials over and also making the kits as well. And um, my family then founded the Warren and Denise Mackey Foundation, which is in memory of my father that gives back to the local community, the Albany community, where we are um, giving back to underserved youth and elements of sports. We're also doing educational college scholarships, as well as helping families that are um, have issues with cancer and heart. So we've been very involved in that as well. Mackie says Girl Scouts has helped her to look outward. And I think that it's really important that even when you struggle with things in yourself and just processing everything, being able to really give back and support other people is just something that my father really emulated with giving back to the Albany community and being such like a monumental figure here. And I just really wanted to be able to continue his legacy, especially with our family's foundation, with being able to give back. Eighteen year old Bridget Mack has been in the Girl Scouts for eleven years. She won her gold award for creating sensory toys for children with special needs during the pandemic. She started by contacting the Wine and Skill Community Special Education Parent Teacher Association to reach out to kids specifically with disabilities and families who were in need of um, sensory toys and uh, sensory items that can maybe help in situations such as the COVID pandemic. 
About 90 of these sensory bags have been distributed to families across the region with laminated story booklets explaining COVID regulations, like mask wearing and washing hands. Max says children with disabilities struggled the most during the pandemic. She says she saw it firsthand with her brother. He does have autism and, you know, kind of traveling with him and going about it, you know, it comes with challenges as it always does. But with mask wearing, social distancing, they're not always concepts that they're used to. Um, really anyone with disability and anyone in general, um, their routine is kind of um, stunted. Um, their usual day-to-day practices, they have to be changed. They have to be reconstructed. So that's what the social stories help with, is kind of reconstructing the ritual, the routine that they're used to in the day. Um, And it probably comes with a lot of stressors as well to have to change like that. And so the, the sensory toys are meant to help with that stress to kind of handle it in a more healthy way. Max says a sensory toy can be anything from squishy sand to tiny lava lamp bubbler toys that you can endlessly flip to watch the colors change. Max says many families access these toys in school, but the pandemic disrupted that access. I mean, we weren't in school for like forever. And then you're not also not able to have access to those sensory toys like you were able to um, because, you know, germs. You can't, you, not all children can share those toys. So now... When I distributed those bags to the children in the community, they were able to have their own set. They were able to take them wherever they wanted to, to have them ready available to them. Max says the project provided an outlet when she was struggling with mental health issues, particularly in the winter during pandemic lockdowns. I was kind of struggling to like just keep up, keep focused in anything. I myself have anxiety and OCD. Um, And I was handling that very well up until the pandemic. And once fall and winter started, I was definitely feeling not very myself. I was stuck home all the time. I did go to school, but as a hybrid schedule, I was, I felt not myself, I guess. And I'm still struggling with that as well. Um, And so, but this project... Even though it was a struggle to get through, it still was very much worth it. Like the hard work, it really meant something to me. And when it came to the process, um, making the sensory, sorry, the social stories, that took a lot of a lot of time to laminate and then put the bags together. It was like task work, but it was good task work. I like doing that. She says the culmination of the project was when she distributed the sensory bags to families in a park, socially distanced. It was like the first time I actually got to see the kids that I was doing this for. Um, it was like the first weekend in November, and we had a day in the park, and I got to see the kids, and I felt so lucky to meet them, and I got to see them use the bags and like enjoy all the stuff in it. I got to notice like which ones they liked best. Um, like I guess a favorite was like I had these like rocks, these like um, smooth rocks in there. They're kind of cool to the touch. A lot of the kids liked that. Um, there were also um, squish balls used those. There was cloud dough, which is kind of like it's like a mix of play-doh and kinetic sand. It's really fun. I love it. Um, and then also had like um, these like lava globes that this was actually a DIY project that I did that took up a lot of time as well to figure out and basically you can kind of swish it around and there was like little glitter and 
it's made of like baby oil and um, water with food coloring in it. It was very fun to make and it's very fun to watch and play with. So the kids really liked that too. Max says that day in the park pulled some emotions out of her that had been festering during the pandemic. Me, my brother, my brother and my mom, we went to McDonald's after and I was crying in the, in the drive-thru over. I'm like, Mom, I miss people. I, I, miss, I miss seeing children. Like, I, I'm very used to being around children. And I was like, I, I miss this. I miss human connection. Mac attends Columbia High School in East Greenbush, New York. After that, SUNY Purchase, majoring in vocal performance in opera. She says later in her career, she will likely focus on music therapy for those with special needs. Dr. Kristen Navarrete is board chair of Girl Scouts of Northeastern New York. So we serve over 10,000 girls um, across a very large area that ranges all the way up to the Canadian border, um, down into the Hudson Valley area, um, and over 5,000 adults and volunteers. Navarrete says she's responsible for the strategic vision of the Girl Scouts, making sure that they are providing a modern leadership program for the girls with opportunities that build girls of confidence and character who will make the world a better place. She says it's a steep goal during a pandemic, especially for an organization that thrives on in-person education. We did a lot of virtual programming. Um, our camps this year, this past year, were virtual. A lot of troops moved to a virtual platform, and so we provided support to leaders so that they could be equipped to be able to do that. And so we saw them do incredible things this year um, in new and innovative ways. They were able to bring in guest speakers into troop meetings that maybe they hadn't in the past because sometimes it's difficult to get someone physically in person. Um, and they continue to do really cool things like coding, pottery, making jewelry. Um, for the younger ones, for the older ones, they certainly learned a lot about leadership skills. I know many of these girls were able to earn these highest awards using lots of various virtual platforms to meet with people and um, find out about the various needs for their project. Navarit says the Gold Awards represent the completion of a leadership journey for the girls. They go on this journey to identify needs in their community, uh, build a team, put that together uh, to then accomplish their goals to addressing the issue that they see. So for Girl Scouts, it really is the highest award um, and is quite challenging. One of the important components of the Gold Award Girl Scout uh, achievement is to ensure sustainability. So whatever they put into place, um, whatever solution they find, to find a way to make sure that once they move on to the next thing in life, that that solution persists um, so that that problem doesn't continue even after they've moved on. Navarrete says the girls rose to the occasion this year in a way she never could have imagined. The Gold Award is an incredibly difficult achievement to accomplish at a normal year. And so to be presented with all the various challenges that they were this year, and it, they had to be incredibly flexible and resilient, which, again, is something that is taught through the Gold Award process that's always needed, as it's an important leadership quality. But these girls really embodied what that really meant this year. Again, having to shift, uh, whether it was the original solution couldn't be done in this new world of COVID because of various COVID restrictions, even just trying to meet with people um, to learn about the various needs and get their goals accomplished, um, all had to be done in new and innovative virtual ways. And so it's a real testament to their incredible leadership skills and the value that they're bringing to the world as leaders.
From its founding in 1912, the Girl Scouts declared itself open to all girls. Still, during segregation, the first troop of black girls was formed in 1917. In 1956, after an interracial Girl Scouts troop formed in Kentucky, Martin Luther King Jr. called the Girl Scouts a force for desegregation. Nineteen years later, the first African-American Girl Scouts of USA President, Dr. Gloria Scott, was elected. And Girl Scouts partners with historically black colleges and universities, companies, and organizations to make the organization more accessible to the black community. In 2020, Judith Batty made history as the first black woman to lead the Girl Scouts USA. Navarrete says diversifying the Girl Scouts is still a priority. Our mission is to serve all girls, and so we really have been undertaking initiatives to look at how we are serving girls to make sure that we are including everyone. Um, we do have a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force who are making recommendations about how we can make sure that we are able to reach out to all communities and make sure that all communities feel welcomed in Girl Scouts. Uh, we're also looking at our programming to make sure that it meets families at where they are. Um, we recognize that families come from all different backgrounds, and so we want to make sure that our model is flexible enough that all families can find a way to feel welcomed and included in Girl Scouts. And we also have an after-school program um, that we are working to reinstitute. Uh, again, during the pandemic, it was difficult with all the challenges in schools. And so we're very excited and looking forward to bringing back that after-school program in the inner city area, as that is probably a great way to help serve a lot of our families. Navarrete says she isn't bothered by Girl Scouts wanting to become Eagle Scouts. We are the preeminent leadership organization for girls and so we really want to make sure that we're delivering a high quality program that girls want to be a part of. Um, we really are the girl experts um, and so we want to make sure that girls see us that way and, and therefore want to be a part of our organization. We certainly welcome girls to explore all the opportunities that are out there though. Neverett says there's nothing the Boy Scouts offer that the Girl Scouts are lacking. Girl Scouts provides an incredibly diverse experience, and I can say that having been a Girl Scout as a Girl Scout leader and now even as board chair, um, you know, we provide everything from STEM activities uh, to the more traditional outdoor experience. That's actually one of my favorite parts of Girl Scouts. We just took our girls um, to do an outdoor day where they learned survival skills and um, went canoeing and boating and had all kinds of fun out at our camp. Um, so we really provide a very broad programming, it's, and it's very girl-led, which I think is one of the challenges sometimes is that um, you know, not all girls have the same interests sometimes, and so um, you know, it's a pick-your-own-adventure at times, and so we want to make sure that girls know that in Girl Scouts, they get to choose what they want to do, and all of those opportunities are, in fact, available, whether it's camping in the outdoors, whether it's STEM activities, whether it's more arts and entertainment. Um, there are badges in their programming that address all those various interests. Navarrete says the Girl Scouts is LGBTQ-friendly. We are the preeminent leadership organization for girls, and so anyone who identifies as a girl is absolutely welcome to be part of our sisterhood. Navarrete says the most common misconception about the Girl Scouts is that it's just a bunch of girls doing arts and crafts on the weekend. And I think that's one of the challenges is to try to break that myth and, again, put the emphasis on the fact that we really offer a very diverse set of opportunities. Um, you can really do anything that your uh, heart wants to do or that your imagine can, imagination can do. Um, lead you to want to do, those opportunities are available in Girl Scouts, um, and you really just, you know, we, we want to make sure that everyone understands. So whether you want to become a rocket scientist and learn about space science, or you want to become a coder, uh, if you want to go and be a great artist, if you want to go and be an outdoor wilderness survival expert, you can get all of those foundations in Girl Scouts. 
Navarrete says COVID has hit some people hard, and she understands if families can't pay for any extra activities right now. She says membership is $25, and other small activity fees can add up to about $100 per year. Our core mission is to serve all girls and give them a, a really excellent leadership experience. Um, so we do offer scholarship opportunities. So I would say to anyone who is concerned about financial uh, issues with being part of the Girl Scouts, please don't let that um, dissuade you from joining our, the organization and providing that experience for your, for your girl. Navarrete says this is the time to join. We are at a time in history where girls are really being able to start taking leadership opportunities um, and take advantage of those that weren't necessarily available to them historically. And so I think looking for opportunities where girls can really build those skills is really, really important. Um, And so I think looking for all the opportunities, including here at Girl Scouts, um, is a really important thing for all families to think about how they're going to get those girls, uh, those experiences and those skills to help them be the leaders in the next uh, generation that are going to really make a difference in our world. According to the 2017 State of Girls report on GirlScouts.org, the most recent report, girls are increasingly struggling with obesity, marijuana use, and emotional health. In 2007, 19% of high school girls had considered suicide. In 2015, that number jumped to 23%. In the United States, there are about 2.5 million Girl Scouts, including 750,000 adult members who work as volunteers, with over 100 local Girl Scout councils. More than 50 million women in America have been in the Girl Scouts. According to the Pew Research Center, in 2018, only 5% of CEOs and 12% of other top executives in the S&P 500 were women. According to the Girl Scouts Research Institute, 70% of those women were former Girl Scouts. So, it probably is just arts and crafts. If the art is gaining leadership skills, and the craft is running your own business one day. Thanks for joining us for this week's 51%. Thanks to our story editor, Ian Pickus. Thanks to Tina Rennick and Liz Hill for production assistance. Our executive producer is Dr. Alan Shartok. Our theme music is Lolita by Albany-based artist Girl Blue. 51% is a national production of Northeast Public Radio. If you'd like to hear this episode again or share it with your friends, sign up for our podcast or visit WAMC.org. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 51% Radio. I'm your host, Jackie Orchard. Until next week, remember, the future is fearless. Join us next week on 51% when we bring you part one of a two-part series on sexual abuse and rape. Thinking like, oh, I could have done this differently or, oh, I could have fought harder. But like, I I couldn't have. I was in complete shock. 
To demystify the process, I visit a local hospital where forensic rape exams are given and trauma therapists are standing by to help. You are in such a state of survival that even the thought of that event later down the line triggers that, that survival instinct, even in a place where you might be safe. And that's problematic for people. Next week on 51%.